observe the bread and wine of the Eucharist, which means thanksgiving. And we observe a form of this sacrament or ordinance four times a year. At Advent, which is where we are today, we emphasize the incarnation, and we really follow the Eucharistic tradition of the Mass, uh, which is different in that we approach uh, the elements to take them rather than having them passed out. At Holy Week, we emphasize the passion and the substance of what the Passover Seder is as, a, as we do it mostly in our homes in a Seder tradition. At Pentecost, we emphasize communion, and we follow the Eastern Church tradition of using leavened bread, which is what the challah is, and we use the order and the structure of the Eastern Mass and the, uh, and the Shabbat uh, order, where we go with the cup first and then the bread. And then at Tabernacles, we emphasize the restoration, when the Lord will return the uh, kingdom to Israel, and uh, we... Uh, observe it with a focus on the marriage supper of Messiah that will take place in the kingdom. In doing this, then, we are not um, just repeating the same thing over, but trying to give the fullness of the meanings in that context. For this season, it's not merely about a birth. Uh, We are not simply looking at the nativity, and of course, Advent addresses that because it looks at both uh, the first coming and the second coming. But we really focus on incarnation, the word made flesh, which is both a scandal and a hope. The scandal is the notion that God, the creator, can enter in and become, in some sense, part of his creation. And the hope is that we then can be more like him. Uh, As the Eastern Church calls this deification, this taking on the nature of God, not in the fullest sense, but as we were created in the image of God, we are being recreated in the new creation, in the image of his son. And so that's our focus, is that interconnection uh, between God and us uh, that is established by incarnation. Now, in the um, ceremony that we're about to do, we use one of the earliest uh, confessions uh, that has been adapted. It's found in 1 Timothy chapter 3.16. I'd like you to turn with me to that. It's just one verse. It's a very early um, confession that is uh, included in Paul's writings here. Uh, It contains... uh, what the early followers of Yeshua uh, would say. And Paul refers to this as the mystery of godliness. That is the revealing of our, what's true in our relationship with God. And he also says that it is by common confession. Uh, the word there meaning that the consent of all uh, who have named him as Lord uh, agree upon this statement as it is given. So I want to look at that, but first let's read it. Paul says, By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. He who was revealed in the flesh was vindicated in the spirit, seen by angels, proclaimed among the nations, believed on in the world, and taken up in glory. I want to briefly talk about each of these before we 
uh, partake of the communion so that when we make use of this statement, uh, we understand it. Now, you will notice in your uh, bulletins on the back where in the liturgy that we're going to do, uh, I have added something to this confession. Um, and it's all in um, uh, italics here, so you can't see the difference. It was supposed to be in bold, the biblical text, and the other uh, in incarnate in uh, italics, like we do with the, uh, the Apostles' Creed. So, uh, the first statement is specifically what uh, is written. By common confession, great is the mystery of godliness. Then it says, he who was revealed in the flesh. Now, this is the essence of our faith, that God was manifest in the flesh as the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And John the Apostle tells us in his uh, letter in 1 John 1, 1 to 3, that which we have handled, which we have touched of the word of life. For the word of life was manifested and we beheld him. John is talking about the fact that they actually interacted on a daily basis with the Lord. The word made flesh. He became tangible, physical, literal in that sense so that... Uh, they could understand him. There's an old statement uh, that was done by George Burns. Uh, and, uh, you know, when um, he did a movie about God, and they said, you know, what is God like? And, you know, it's George Burns. Probably not correct. But if you want to know what God is like, one theologian said, Jesus is all that can be understood in God in five foot six. Now, he was talking about the average height of a person in that time. But the idea is that Jesus is all that we can understand of the Father. The full manifestation. And that's why incarnation is critical. He can't just be a good teacher. He must be the God, the Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. The one in that intimate place who has revealed him. And so John goes out of his way in all of his writings to understand that he who was revealed in the flesh, this is incarnation. Now the second statement is, he was vindicated in the spirit. Now what this is talking about is found in Romans 1 chapter 4 when it says that Jesus was declared to be the son of God by resurrection from the dead. The establishment that he is the one who pleased the Father. That he is the one who is manifesting all that the Father is. So that he could say to his disciples, he who has seen me has seen the Father. Was vindicated by the Spirit raising him from the dead. So that he's declared to be the Son of God by that resurrection. So we have not only incarnation but its ultimate uh, uh, vindication in resurrection. The next phrase, I'm not particularly happy with its translation in the NASB. Uh, it says, seen by angels. Now, the word angelos there can be a messenger that is human or a messenger that is angelic in, in that sense. And I believe that this is referring to the apostolic testimony. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 21 to 23, the scriptures say that when Judas had, uh, was no longer with them, they needed to find someone to be, to give testimony. And it had to be someone who was with them from the baptism of Jesus all the way to the ascension. Because these eyewitnesses were the ones who were seen. He was not only incarnated in the flesh, raised in the flesh, there were eyewitnesses to all that he taught and that he did. He was seen by messengers. And this is apostolic testimony of who he is. Jewish apostolic testimony of who he is. And therefore, we should understand him as they understood him, and not as many later who have replaced the Jewish foundation of this um, uh, with a more Greco-Roman framework. Then the scripture says he was proclaimed among the nations. Jesus said that beginning in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and into the uttermost parts of the world, you will be my witnesses. This message, this apostolic testimony, by means of the proclamation of the good news to the Jew first, and also to the Gentiles, would then go out. Now, you guys know what I believe. I believe that in part, the diaspora of Israel was to place them into all of the nations of the world. So that in some sense, Judaism could find its way to function within that culture. And then as the gospel comes to them, and they get the joy of knowing that the kingdom is coming, then the Gentiles also, and they would then be illuminated by that Jewish presence, and then be able to come alongside. So that when Israel is gathered, as the scripture says in Isaiah, he will gather others to him, to those who are already gathered. And uh, we're not doing a great job of that, but that's, that's the plan. And so he was uh, proclaimed among the nations, beginning with the nation of Israel, and then to the others, as Romans 1, 16 and 17 says. This certainly is the good news, the gospel. And then it says, he was believed on in the world. The response to the gospel has been faith by Jews and by members of the nations. And the knowledge of the God of Israel through his Messiah has gone to the four corners of the earth. I'm always amused with new students at Cal Baptist who come and they, uh, they want to do something great for God. And they were going to leave the U.S. and go somewhere in the world to present the gospel. And I, that's great. But they keep saying, I, we have to go to the uttermost parts of the earth. If you start in Jerusalem and go to the uttermost parts of the earth, you will end up in L.A., right? We are the opposite end of the world. The gospel has gone. Now, I wanted to go further, but, I, but we sometimes lose our Jerusalem-centric notion. The, the word of the, the, the law will go forth from Zion, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And again, we want to have ground zero for what this whole thing is, is at Jerusalem in that sense. 
So he's believed on in the world. That, in effect, is what faith is. The trusting of that message that salvation is found in the one whom God sent, who was incarnated, who was raised from the dead. Eyewitnesses beheld him. They brought forth their testimony. We are not believing fairy tales and fantasy. We are believing the very word of God himself. And so, the last statement there is, he's taken up in glory. The present status is that he, as high priest, has ascended to sit at the right hand of God the Father. And from there, he will come again. There is something so fascinating about the fact that he did something no high priest ever did. First of all, the high priest did it in the earthly tabernacle. He went into the heavenly one. But he did something no high priest ever did. High priests have gone into the Holy of Holies. They placed the blood on the mercy seat. And then they exited and finished what the Day of Atonement was about. But our Lord sat at the right hand of the Father. And the Lord said to him, Sit here until I make your enemies your footstool. So that he, as a son of a great king, will one day sit not on his father's throne in heaven, but on his father's throne on earth as the son of David. He will receive a bride. All of that is yet to be fulfilled. There is so much, and Israel is central to every bit of that. Jerusalem is central to that. All of this has to be seen in that context. Taken up into glory. And when he returns, he will raise the dead. He will gather the living and the dead, both Israel and the Christians from the nations. He will step on the Mount of Olives. He will restore the kingdom to Israel and establish the kingdom of God, wherein he will rule over the nations with a rod of iron. And Israel will be the head and not the tail. And they will, from the heart, obey the Torah and the law, as I've Often said, if you don't like the commandments, you're going to hate the kingdom. Because they're going to be in full operation. He came to bring the Torah into full operation. Not to to fulfill it in himself and then walk away. So, this is hope. So, in these words we have, incarnation, resurrection, apostolic testimony... The gospel, faith, and hope all stated. What an incredible confession of faith. These are not just words. They are at the heart of the truth that you and I believe. So what we're going to do in the next few minutes is we're going to observe that bread and wine in that context. And we're going to follow an adaptation of the traditional mass that you will see there. Uh, We're going to begin with the removal of the host from the ark. Um, We won't sing the hymn Christmas Communion then. We will begin with the words that are said. We will make the common confession. We'll do the blessing of the bread. And as, uh, uh, oh, we're going going to have to sing the Christmas Communion at the time it says. That's right. We're doing the mass form. Um, But that will be played uh, for us. Then uh, we'll do the blessing of the bread and the cup. Then we're going to ask you to come forward. Now, 
the, um, the bread will be on this side, and normally you line up there. And then people have gone over for the cup, and it starts uh, kind of filling up. So I'm going to ask you to stand right up along here. Go, when you receive the host, come back around the, uh, the uh, pulpit there, and then line up this way for the cup, and then go out. And then we'll, you know, if there's a little bit of uh, holding off, we will we'll not end up in a traffic jam there. So, I'm going to ask you to stand as we uh, begin this part of the service.